of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Some people seem to have it all, like my old friend Steve. He's a science teacher who played rugby for England, a gifted artist, his delicate watercolours demonstrate real talent. He sings in top choirs and plays piano extremely well. He's a keen and knowledgeable gardener and can, for a fact, build a kitchen from scratch. He's also tall and handsome. And to make matters worse, he's a thoroughly nice and likeable bloke. Some people have it all. St. Luke was a bit like that. Luke, the gospel writer, he too was an artist. Indeed, he is the patron saint of artists. He was a doctor, 
a rigorous historian and a tireless researcher, an intrepid missionary whose adventures made even David Livingstone seem a bit of a woos. And for my money, best of all, he was a loyal friend. I'd love to have met him. If I were having one of those imaginary dinner parties where you could invite anyone you wanted from within the Bible, I would go for Daniel, who took a stand against oppression. Maybe David, the Paul Simon of his generation. Ruth, with her love story with an older man. I love stories about women in love with an older man. Hosea and his painful experience of betrayal. And definitely St. Luke. That would be a, a dinner party to remember. Definitely Luke. For he was the one who gave us so many precious moments in his gospel. The Magnificat, with its soaring poetry and shocking, revolutionary solidarity with the weak, the poor and the vulnerable. What a manifesto for change. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. It's Luke. It's Luke who tells us about the shepherds in the manger. And there were shepherds abiding in the fields, watching over their flocks by night, and were taken right back there to that starry, starry night. Without Luke, there would be no story of the Good Samaritan, or the lost sheep lost and alone on the mountain and brought back on the shoulders of the shepherd with great rejoicing. No story of the prodigal son, his father, dignity forgotten, in the rush of love and relief, his coat billowing in the wind, running to meet his lost son, to welcome him home with unconditional love and throw him a party. If Luke hadn't hunted down the story, we would never have read of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, their hearts broken, their dreams in pieces, encountered by the risen Lord who becomes known to them as he does to us in the intimacy of the broken bread. No, Luke is a poet with a poet's eye and ear. He's that tenacious researcher who digs through the massive material and finds the gold nugget of truth and meaning. He describes his methodology, his way of working. He writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, he says, since I myself carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. 
I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. It's in Luke's gospel that we find the centrality of prayer in the life and ministry of Jesus. Where we see the respect that Luke has for the women whose gentle ministry to Christ gave him strength and resilience to carry on to Calvary. Mary and Martha, the woman who poured oil on his forehead, washes his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair. The Pharisees despise her. Luke tells us how much Jesus honoured her. And always in Luke's account, that concern for the poor, that concern for the plight of the weak and the vulnerable, the abused and the downtrodden, that gives the Christian gospel its tender conscience, informs its spirit of compassion, makes commitment to the poor an inescapable if uncomfortable element in the Christian vision. Luke also teaches us so much about forgiveness, the commitment to forgiveness that sets the tone of Christ's fellowship. Not least when Luke alone tracks down the words of Christ on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke gives us that. Words crucial to our understanding of Christ's death and his deathless love. So Luke... Physician, artist, poet, scrutineer of evidence, sifter of facts, writer of passion and power, Renaissance man long before the Renaissance. And with that, a man of action. For his gospel is only part one of his two-volume masterwork. Part two is the book we call The Acts of the Apostles, the story of the early church from its very beginning, from the moment of that terrible silence when Jesus leaves them and then suddenly the emptiness is overwhelmed by the spirit of Christ let loose on the church and on the world Luke tells that story and lives in that story travels with St. Paul on his missionary journeys faces the danger records the crisis points describes the debates highlights the characters and the compromises, reports with candour and perceptiveness the emerging story of that infant church, so fragile, so vulnerable, so insignificant, and so unstoppable in its sweep across the empire. The Church of Jesus of Nazareth, the nowhere man from a nowhere town who will bring the empire to its knees, Not by power and might and force of arms, but by the power of his spirit of love. This is the story Luke tells us and the journey he makes. Facing threat and hostility, shipwreck, imprisonment, never giving up, never giving up, always believing. Mind you, for all Luke's Renaissance man qualities... His intellectual power, his poetic sensibilities, his swashbuckling adventures. For me, the most attractive thing about Luke is his loyalty. His stickability through thick and thin, with St. Paul, for Paul, by Paul's side. Others might quit, find the going too hard, take the huff. The deprivations of the missionary endeavour, too demanding. Mark quits, Demas sells out, 
others take their leave. Paul gives this beautiful clue in his personal remarks in Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me, writes Paul from prison. One telling sentence. This is what it's come to for Paul, the great evangelist. All his efforts, all his sacrifices, his commitment to the cause, all the sermons he preached, all the churches he founded, all the theology he wrestled with. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And in the end, only Luke is with him. Trustworthy, reliable, loyal Luke. I'll be honest, of all the Christian graces, this is one I put great store by. Things would be bleak, under strength, and thoroughly naked were it not for men and women who show and demonstrate loyalty. For all the charismas, all the gifts we could have, all the spirituality, all the knowledge, that's fine. But I would put a higher premium on the certainty that people will turn up. That you will be there, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, in solidarity, dependable, reliable. For over the years, those loyal people have been the most significant factor in the life of the church in general, and this church in particular. The ones who deliver, the ones whose presence gives presence. And without them, things would be dire indeed because of the loyal people, loyal to Christ, loyal to his church, offer that kind of dependability. There is a church because of them. Things get done. There are possibilities. The kingdom is built. So give me loyalty over talent every time. Talent can be volatile and egotistical, Faithfulness will see the cause through, will hold the line when talent and charisma have taken their bat and ball and gone home. I can vouch for the fact that certainly in my ministry I've been sustained over the year, years by the people who even although there are things they don't like, even although everything isn't exactly as they want it to be, you can look and you will see them there at this event or that occasion or part of this initiative turning up, taking part pulling their weight giving their support being there and for Paul chained to the wall like a dog and quietly certain he was going to die soon the presence of his friend Luke is a great comfort the certainty that Luke will not cut and run, take the huff, see greener pastures, leave the church for this reason or that. No, Luke will be there. And that gives Paul deep comfort in his last days. It's a poignant and a moving truth. There's so much to like about Luke. I like his style. 
his emphasis, his sensitivity, his passion for the poor, his courageous, for his time, daring inclusion of women as central to the story, his commitment to truth, to finding it and telling it. But most of all, I like the fact that he was a true friend, loyal to his friends, loyal to his Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We spend some moments in quiet reflection now before we bring our prayers for others.